0: Or do something a little more
1: epic
0: and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast.
1: We want to bring a winning, all right, a winning team. That's all we want to bring to Houston. We want to bring you guys a team that you're going to be proud of as fans, Right. We want to fill up NRG Stadium and we want you guys to make this truly a home field advantage for us again. Right. All the excitement that we have right now. I'm excited. I'm fired up. And our fans, we want to continue that excitement and supporting the team that we have here. Everything with me and Nick, we're here to build this thing together, build it the right way with the right people. Right? I was building the right way with the right people.
2: That was D'Amico Ryan's yesterday. Sorry, D'Amico. I didn't mean to step on you there. Jeez, Sean. I know. So rude. He's been coached for one day, and I'm already interrupting him. This um, is his
3: first big test. Somebody asked. Oh, go ahead.
2: We'll just re- no, re- no, no, real, no. real quick. No, uh, don't make it quick. Trailer rule and frame text page uh, 0866. Please tell me we are getting away from the, quote, keeping it close till the fourth, then try to win in the last minute mentality. And I would say yes. Uh, D'Amico, D'Amico hammered home winning yesterday in a way that was – I thought, yeah. Not, I, I didn't think I, it was just coach speak.
3: I feel like that's the weirdest thing. The way Davis Mills phrased that sometimes, <laughs> um, I don't, I feel like it was you blame a
2: blame Davis or the I, coaching. Uh, staff?
3: I don't, I feel like it's a misinterpretation of a good theory to have that, like, okay, you know, uh, Bill Belichick, in one of his theories, I guess, is that. You, you basically everything is a prelude to the fourth quarter, and then that's when the fourth quarter is, is when you win the game. But there's no part of that philosophy where you're not also trying to stomp your opponent into the earth in the first quarter. Yep. It's just that you know the way you got you to gotta have a feel for a game and how it's progressing and what you're trying to – you're kind of probing and trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work. And sometimes it takes until the fourth quarter, and that's when the situational football really – really kicks in. But I think sometimes when you start talking to people about that, it turns in their head into... Like, okay, so we're going to keep it close. Like, when they say we're going to keep it close until the fourth quarter, that's the part where something's gone awry. Yeah. Like, no, 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 no. Either the, the message has been glitched. Yeah, the goal is not to keep it close. It's to acknowledge that it might really it might be close going yeah. into the fourth. Yeah, And yeah. that you got to position yourself to, to win it in the fourth. That's
2: right. Yeah, yeah. you know, Davis. But the goal is not to keep it Davis close. Davis made it sound like that was the first slide of the PowerPoint. It's like, actually, we just hope we're not
3: up by too much <laughs> by the time we get to the fourth quarter. Because, here gosh. Here's our
2: mission. Yes. That's why the Indianapolis game in Week One went down the way it did. Davis looked up and said, "We're up by way too much. Right. It's twenty to three. The word we got to make this closer." The word that D'Amico
3: used about their offense was explosivity. Explosivity, yeah. And uh, that's different than trying to keep it close until the very fourth quarter. different. And I also very think too, very different. Okay, so. One of the big concerns for a lot of people is D'Amico's a defensive-minded coach. How do you find an offensive coordinator, maintain stability after that offensive coordinator gets plucked away to be a head coach? All of that. Very valid concerns. Um, But another concern about defensive-minded coaches is always just, okay, is this going to be the old cliched Lovey Smith? Where you're so conservative as a defensive-minded coach, you're so scared of turnovers that you end up having an offense that's a boring and designed to just keep games close. Yes, yes. I don't think you have to worry about that at all with D'Amico, just by virtue of the way he talks about offensive football, and also just by some of the things he cited in terms of influences on him, aside from Kyle Shanahan and Gary Kubiak, was like Chip Kelly and Chip Kelly always wanting to be innovative and finding an edge in sports science or analytics or what have you. And I think like those are the types of things. Like Brandon Staley. Like I'm not all that impressed with Brandon Staley as a as an overall head coach, but he is a defensive head coach who is ultra aggressive yeah. on fourth down. He does a lot of things that are the exact opposite of what you fear. Like I like that part of it, yep. and I think D'Amico is more likely to be kind of like Brandon Staley. Yeah,
2: Lovey allowed the defensive mentality to permeate every facet of the team. Yeah, and that was and that was just it. Might have been his downfall ultimately. He might still be the coach if they were better offensively last year. Um, why is this job? D'Amico Ryan's dream job. He was asked about that.
1: First thing that makes it a dream job is there's not many times, right, as players, we kind of get, as former players, we kind of get put in a box of what we can and what we can't do. So it makes it a dream job to be a former player and to sit in these meeting room chairs and also to just show that, man, we're more than just players. Right? We can be... Anybody we want to be, right? We can accomplish any goals that we set out to be. I'm looking at a lot of my former players here are are successful businessmen, right, In in the community, right, doing great things in the community, still being leaders in their own way. And the same thing for me, I think, it's my dream job because, right, for me to be the head coach of a team that drafted me, I never could have imagined that ever. Right. And my coaching career hasn't been long. I've been coaching for six years and for it to turn around this quickly and to be in this position, it's a dream job because I'm here home in H Town. That's a dream job. Right. I get to work with Nick, with Cal to build this team the right way. Right. We have a, a young a young team. Right. We have a lot of draft capital. We're we're excited to add even more talent to the team that we have. And I it's a dream job because we can win here. And we're gonna win here by collaborating, working together, building it the right way with the right people.
3: You know, um, I was just when he said six years as a coach, Mike Vrabel was seven years as a coach, mm-hmm. and you know, followed a, a similar trajectory. Although Mike Vrabel only had one year as a coordinator, and D'Amico had two. Three of his were
2: in college, also. That's true. He yeah. didn't have as much time in the NFL, so yeah.
3: it's accelerated, but it's not unheard of. Jack sure. Del Rio had a real quick ascension when you play ten years in the NFL, and I think just like Vrabel. D'Amico was taking notes the whole time, you know, so it's that's that's why I very much count Kubiak uh, as one of his coaching influences because Vrabel and D'Amico are both guys who I think that they they were observing and thinking about how they might do it someday if they got into it. So, um, the him him mentioning looking at his teammates was really cool. Um, uh, I was not one of the business people that he was talking about. He talked I, about. He seeing, said, "I handle my business." Is teammates. what he said for Seth Payne. Yeah, Seth Payne yeah. Hand, There's businessmen out there, but Seth Payne handles his business. B I D N E S S. Yeah, yeah, You're yeah.
2: more of a business guy than a business guy.
3: But he also one thing that uh, well, we realized that is, is a bunch of the bunch of the former players were sitting there in that uh, that auditorium mm-hmm. where the team meetings are. Uh, they don't have a desk in front of you anymore. Like they yeah. used to. There used to be a table, and the thing that I, I was curious about this. Joe Marciano was the special teams coach the first year, and for the first several years, yeah. And he started this thing where, uh, in in some branches of the military, apparently, instead of clapping, they'll knock on a table, right, if, if, if in, in lieu of applause. And I I always hated that because because your hands were so sore all the time like my hands and my knuckles are beat up and it also just it, it kind of so it hurt to like knock on the table and it's hard to give raucous applause if you're really excited about something by then but like taking your bruised hands and being like yeah you know and not to mention everybody's dogs would go crazy in the neighborhood <laughs> so so I was curious I was sitting next to Whitney. And I'm like, did that? Were you guys still doing that? Because my last year was in 2006. He's like, yeah, we were. Like, like right up until the end of when you were here. It's like, yeah, we <laughs> kept doing it. Like long after Marciano was gone. And uh, but now I don't. I wonder if. I wonder if w- maybe Lovey Smith or one of the other coaches were like, this knocking stuff is stupid. I'm going to get rid of the desk." all Yeah, that just don't yeah. even have any
2: temptation to so, do yeah, it. Yeah, so
3: now you get to clap. It right. was cool. It was, uh, so honestly, when there was clapping in there, yeah. I was kind of taken aback a little bit. I was like, oh, <gasps> clapping in the auditorium. I never thought I'd see the day. This is where yeah. I wanted to
2: pound the counter like a like a gorilla.
3: So that part of it was a little bit different and cool. Was it normally at an introductory press conference for a coach? It's a, mostly a media-driven affair, but here we had current players and like four times as many former players, many of us who were teammates of D'Amico's. And yeah, there, there were a few times where there was raucous applause
2: for the newly announced coach. It's going to be fascinating to watch this dynamic play out. I already know that the ticket sales have started to spike a little bit from talking to some folks over there yesterday. Yeah. There's been a reaction to D'Amico. I think hearing D'Amico say he wants a full stadium – I think is something that if you're a Texan fan on the fence, if you're a Texan fan who's on the fence of do I keep my tickets, do I get back in with t-? you know you gave up your tickets, but I'm thinking of getting back in. If you don't come away from the press conference yesterday with D'Amico ready, if you're on the fence, if you're yeah. out, you're out. But if you're on the fence, if you don't come away from yesterday going you know what, let's give this thing a try, then I you know I don't know what to tell you. We had somebody ask earlier if um, they are selling the. 50 number 59 jerseys with coach on the back where, yeah. the, where the last name would normally be because there were a few folks bun b had one on yesterday trey the truth was there he had one on and i said i think they are i thought i was told they are greg grissom texted me he was listening and said they are already in the team shop oh sweet! 59 jerseys with coach on the back
3: That's so be confusing between that and my coachella jersey so I'll have to try to keep them straight in the closet. I've got separate closets for my Coachella stuff.
2: That sounds about so, right. yeah, yeah. Um, so my angels' wings and all that other stuff that I do. you know what? I, <laughs> yeah. like, what gear that I wear I No, I get uncomfortable. Yeah. Why you think like every week there's a Coachella day at the my office. tiny backpack. Yeah. <laughs> um,
3: yeah, so uh, yeah, where does that? How do you feel about that if you're Kenyan green
2: Coachella? No, oh. no, no, fifty nine. Oh, uh, I, okay. I think you. I think I would feel like I might need to change my number. I feel like I'm going to see so many fifty nine jerseys out there. I'm going to be led down the path of thinking I'm more popular than I am. Hi, hey
3: Coach. Um, I'm Kenyon Green. Nice to meet you. Have you watched the film yet? <laughs>
2: Exactly. Oh, okay. All right. right. Uh, by one, the way, I'm going
3: to change my number. It'd be uh,
2: one thing if Kenyon Green could like open up his iPhone to some film of his last year and just throw it at D'Amico and go, "Take a look at that. Take a look at that. Yeah, 59. Listen, i 59, and you can <laughs> say goodbye to your
3: franchise left guard. Right. 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 So uh, I don't know. I feel like there's room for. I, I feel like there's room for both a Kenyon 59 and a D'Amico 59.
2: As has been pointed out, 59 wasn't even his number at Texas A&M. It was 55. Kenyans? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, it's, I mean, there's the door is open. So we'll Maybe see. it was his high school number. But Jerry Hughes is 55 right now, and I think he's going to make the team next year. Pretty sure. I got to be
3: 91 my entire college and NFL career. That was pretty cool. That yeah, is pretty cool. Yeah, and plus I wore 91 before 90s were cool for defensive linemen. You made it cool. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's pretty setter. much the deal. That, that actually and
2: stat nerds. It was weirdly kind cool.
3: of like a standard, like uh, white D lineman uh, number, and I guess still is in a lot of ways. Right, going back to like uh, oh the dude from the Bills and Hanson. No, not the- Phil Hanson. Okay. Maybe he was a ninety one too. There was another guy, Jeff Wright, I think. Okay. But then like Kevin Green, who was an outside linebacker, but yeah, pass he was 91, rusher, he was a- Yeah, There are a lot of white defensive linemen that wore number ninety one. Yeah. I swear it wasn't like some kind of conscious uh some kind of conscious thing. Some weird statement. It's not like a prison thing, okay? Right. I Like it just it just worked out that way. I right,
2: think. right. Seth puts both hands up like this, and that's his gang sign. Like both hands, nine all, and all ten fingers out, but it's really nine fingers plus the one at the. No, you just, when you hold all ten oh, fingers and, up, uh, that's your 91. <laughs> that's your gang sign. Yeah, all ten fingers. Just, like, why are you holding both palms up? Like, 91. 91, dumbass. Yeah, silly. That's <laughs> your gang sign right there. We're just doing. We're just holding Stationary both palms. Jazz yeah, that's yeah, right. Stationary We've been.
3: Jazz. Uh, it's our waka it's waka ni- post. But <laughs> it's the, the ninety-one
2: gang sign right there. All
1: right. Uh, we had
3: we added the jazz hands to the waka waka. We did. Right? We sure did. Yeah. yeah. A lot of other people do waka waka, but we added like jazz us. hands to waka waka. <laughs> Not like us. Which is that? That's waka what makes waka. stuff
2: <laughs> It makes it much funnier. All right. Um, let's get into the nine o'clock hour here. Winners and losers from the D'Amico Ryan's hire. Four winners, four
0: losers. We got them for you. Next.